No, you're not seeing an identical twin. Um, we didn't coordinate shirts. <laughs> this is just a fluke. <laughs> it's God. <laughs> um, Toba, what you shared earlier was fantastic because there's two things about the wedding feast of the bride and the groom. One is an arranged marriage. We are arranged to be part of the bride through um, being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There are names in the Lamb's Book of Life who do not know God at the moment, but they are predestined to know God and to be a part of him. We have to seek those people out and we have to lead them to where they need to be. The second part of that is that who knows that it's going to be a blind marriage? God knows what we look like. <laughs> we don't know what he looks like. Because there is no physical description of who or what God looks like. There's reasons for that. I want to read out a list. <clears throat> This is, the, this is describing a person. It's a person that everyone knows. Um, most people celebrate this person once a year. Um, commercially, they'll try to get you to do it twice a year, but most people will do it once. This person keeps a list of everyone in the world who is naughty and everyone who is nice. He's all-knowing and he's omnipotent. He has to be because no, he has to know who's naughty and nice. He rewards the nice people with presents. Apparently, the naughty people don't get presents, or not nice presents anyway. They do get a present of some different type. He has this long white beard. Parents generally teach their children about this person and the children believe in this person for a while but no intelligent adult ever believes in this person. People sing songs about him. Millions of songs that have been written about this person and they're all sung. Um, this person can be bought he can be bribed. Um, some people leave little bits and pieces out for him and they seem to disappear. <laughs> Don't know how. Um, he has all these little helpers that go around and do things for him. They help him to do things, they help him to work out the presents and all that sort of stuff. And get them out where they need to be. This person usually receives petitions once a year of what people want. Not everyone gets what they want. Some people get what they need, which is a difference. A lot of people, when they put in the petition, they don't get a reply. 
because to reply to everyone in the world would take, you know, longer than a year to do. Um, so belief in this person really doesn't make that much sense because there's, real, there's really no physical evidence for this person's existence. Who thinks they know who I'm talking about? I heard Santa Claus over here. Is that what everyone was thinking? <laughs> Can I say you're wrong? These are the characteristics that people put upon God. Because they don't know who he is. They don't know what he looks like. They don't know his character. God has been portrayed in a lot of different ways. Some people say that he is a Santa Claus God, that he'll grant your wishes and all that sort of stuff. Other people say that he's nothing more than Frankenstein's monster, that he's been sitting there for centuries, dreaming up of different ways that he can kill off all the people that have been naughty. Just look at the Old Testament. He seemed to have wiped out a lot of people for no reason whatsoever. Little things that have happened. Someone pinched something, so he got wiped out, him and his entire family. Other people said, oh, I don't like this, I want to go back to where we were. They got wiped out. Does it sound fair? <coughs> Every portrait or rendition of God that we have seen has all come from the artist's imagination because there is no definitive answer to who God is and what he looks like. Paradise Lost, he was portrayed as a little old man sitting on a throne far, far away. People have added to that and that while he's sitting on the, on the throne, he's just dreaming up of more diabolical ways that he can make people suffer. Uh, there's a lot of people, actors, rappers, so on and so forth, celebrities, that use the word God as a personal pronoun for themselves. That they are the best, they are the top of whatever field they're in. And there's a lot of people that will say, yes, they are. But they're still not him. George Burns had a turn at playing him. George Burns is an old, act, old American actor. He's dead now, um, which kind of proves that he's not the person that he portrayed. <laughs> but he had three goes at playing God. It was, oh God, oh God, book two, and oh God, you devil. Morgan Freeman has portrayed him twice. Bruce Almighty and Evan Almighty. Morgan Freeman asked, was asked whether he was a Christian or believed. And he went on to say that all humans, in essence, are God. Because if we are created in his likeness, we must be a reflection of him. If we are a reflection of him, 
then God is created by us to be who and what we want. There was a book out a few years ago called The Shack. It was made into a movie. They had an interesting take on who God was. Not just God, but the entire Trinity. Um, I'm not here to say whether any of these are right or wrong because I don't even know what God looks like myself. Uh, I'm in the same boat as everyone else. You go on to Google and you will find multiple pictures of God, in the, sh- the shape of God in clouds, in sunsets, even on pieces of toast. You can go on Google, you can find hundreds of them. All these things that people are saying, that's what God looks like. So what does the Bible actually tell us? Because being Christians, that's what we should be relying upon. In Genesis 18, God appeared to to Abraham. He was walking around and he appeared as a man. Uh, The term for this phenomena before Christ is, um, it's called a theophany. Uh, It comes from two Greek words, theos, which is God, and phenon, which is to appear. So it's an appearance of a divine being. Being Greeks, they had a lot of their gods and all that sort of stuff. And then occasionally these gods would turn up. Not all the gods were nice. Some of them were nasty. Some of them represented war and famine and pestilence and everything else. Um, But it was a manifestation of a deity in a sensible form. Why is it a sensible form? Because we we could understand what he looked like. And a lot of the times... We don't. A theophany was not just restricted to a physical presence or a physical form. Um, It could also include uh, sounds like a voice of God from heaven. That was heard a couple of times when Jesus was around. Um, When he was told, this is my son. uh, And he takes delight in him and all that. Um, other times it can take the, f- the appearance or the form of loud noises, thunder, lightning, all that sort of stuff. The law was given to Moses through thunder and lightning up on the mountain. Um, God has appeared as a burning bush. Um, he's appeared to Moses several times. He's appeared to the Israelites Jacob had a wrestling match with him one night. Uh, Joshua met with the commander of the armies of God, which some people say was an angel, other people are saying it was God himself, other people were saying that it was Christ. Um, Samson's parents had a visit when they were told that they were going to give birth. Um, Balaam 
had a visit, whether he knew it or not, when his donkey spoke. <laughs> I've never seen... The only thing that I've ever... Any time I've ever seen a donkey spoke was in Shrek. <laughs> and I don't think he quite sounded like Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Um, Ezekiel uh, had a vision and he, excuse me, he saw the likeness of a throne and above the throne was the likeness of a man. Uh, the top half of him shine in one colour, the bottom half shine in another colour. And they're saying that this is a regular theme that came through Elijah's um, book and everything that he said and did was that it was a representation of God's glory. Uh, Moses, as everyone knows, had a lot of visitations from God. <coughs> he was told before he was given the law, this is, that he would not be able to look upon God's face because anyone that looked upon it would die. But God blessed him and let him look at his back. Uh, there's a lot of places in Scripture where it talks about different human parts that have been attributed to God. We've got the heart of God, which was full of sadness, and having created humans in Genesis 6. Um, it's people, places where it talks about God's hands, the mouth of God, his eyes, his ears, his feet, and so on and so forth. Yet John tells us that God is a spirit. How can he be a spirit and have human bodily parts? Here's another Greek term for you. <laughs> um, the way that these are attributed is through anthropomorphism, which again comes from two Greek words, anthropos, which is man, and morphe, which is form. So it's man form. The reason that we're given these sites is so that we can understand in our brain a little bit of what God's like. Because as sinful creatures, we cannot fully comprehend what God is like. If God was to show up, he'd blow our minds, literally, physically. I like my brain where it is. <laughs> I don't want to see God yet. Um, as sinful creatures, we can't see God because we will die. Yet one day, one day, we shall stand before the throne of God and gaze upon his glory. And we will look and we'll go, so that is what you look like. That is what I've loved all these years. <clears throat> God has been given many human characteristics. Again, for us to understand a little bit of who he is. Um... He laughs, he rejoices, he cries, he gets angry, he gets disgusted, he's regretful, he's, um, 
He's revengeful. And in various places, the Bible tells us that he is a jealous God. That he wants no one else to worship anyone else but him. And there's nothing else that really qualifies to be worshipped like he does. God said that there was to be no graven images made of him. So there would be no statues, no little trinkets or anything like that. People don't listen. They try to make things, to make representations. The pagans, the pagan gods, they used to have multiple things made about them. All these little statues that would be round for people to pray to. The reason that God didn't want a graven image made of him is because he knew that what they do with those images is that they reduce the God to the size of that image. They reduce the God to the appearance of that image. They reduce the God to be under the control of man. God of the universe cannot be controlled by man. He is the control. The Bible tells us that we're created in his image. So if we're created in his image, God must look like us. God don't want to look like me. (laughs) I can guarantee you that. so much better so much more beautiful the physical image of God is not the important thing it's not the thing that we should be dwelling on what we should consider is what the God is what God represents and what he brings to the world Two things, hope and salvation. Well, there's a lot of other things, but hope and salvation are the biggies. It gives us hope that there's something better for us. Salvation tells us there is something better for us. (coughs) Jesus has said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus came in physical representation as, the, as himself. But do you know that the Father looked like Jesus? Do you know that Jesus looked like the Holy Spirit? Do you know that the Holy Spirit looked like God, the Father? The reason being is that they had the same thing. Whatever one of them looked like, the other looks like. Because they had the same. Their personality is the same everything that runs through is the same so we can't distinguish them as three different beings because they're not they are the same whilst the bible doesn't dwell on what god looked like it does give us clues 
who's ever read the story of the prodigal son? Who's ever looked into what the father actually did? The father was sitting there. He had a successful farm, two sons. The youngest one comes up and says, I wish you were dead. In a sense, that's what he was saying. He wanted his inheritance. Inheritance is normally given when someone is dead. So what did the father do? He said, here, take what's yours. The father allowed him to go off and do his own thing. He did it in order for the son to learn. The way that Jesus describes the father is unusual because in Jewish society the father would sit there. <coughs> wouldn't show much emotion. Wouldn't show much love or anything like that. And yet here's the father and the prodigal son that he would stand at the gate daily looking out for the son to return. And when the son finally did return, what did the father do? The father picked up the end of his robes and he ran to the son. He blessed the son more than the son thought he could ever fathom. He put shoes on him, gave him rings, coats, dresses, all that sort of stuff, killed the fat calf, put on a feast for him, welcomed him back to the fold. The older father, uh, the older son, sorry, was like, why? He's gone off, he's spent all your money and all that sort of stuff. And the father's going, yes, he did. But he was dead and now he's alive. He has come back. He's returned. Uh, there's the... There's the guy that owned a vineyard that Jesus talks about where the tenants decided we're going to keep everything for ourselves. So the owner sent servants to get what was owed to him. They beat the servants, killed some. And he thought, I'll send my son. Surely they'll respect my son. Son went, they killed him, thinking if we kill the son, we get everything. He's got no one left to give it to, so he has to leave it with us. The host of the wedding feast prepared everything, had everything sorted out, invited a whole heap of people to come. No one came. They gave excuses. Oh, I've just bought a, field, bought a field, I've got to go inspect it. Rubbish. Whoever buys something without inspecting it. This person would have inspected this field well before he bought it. Would have probably inspected it several times. All these excuses that were given for not turning up. 
So then the host turns around to, ser- to his servants and says, go out into the streets. Find the downtrodden. Found the despised. Find the stranger. Bring them in. I'm opening up to them. Our God is the God who said he would never leave us, he'd never forsake us. You know what that makes him? Makes him closer than our skin. Our skin flakes off. Bits and pieces of us fall off. Some of us have to have bits and pieces removed because they've worn out, so they need to be fixed. But God doesn't leave us. God doesn't get amputated from us. He can't be amputated from us. God is so in tune with everything we do. That he went through the exact same thing that Christ did during the Passion. Every whip lash that landed upon Jesus landed upon God. Every spit that hit Jesus hit God. When the crown of thorns was pressed into his head, God felt the pain. When the nails pierced him, he felt it. When the spear went through his side, again, God felt it. God is not something that sits off in the distance, dreaming up diabolical ways to make you suffer. He's close enough to you to feel the pain of everything you go through. But not just the pain, the joy, the love, the laughter, the tears, the sorrow, everything. He does it because he loves you. Because he wants to be with you. So, if you want to know what God looks like, look in a mirror. Yes, you are created in the image of God. As Morgan Freeman said. But, the thing is, is that as you grow closer to God and closer to becoming more like Jesus, God becomes more visible in you. It's what draws people to you. The amount of God that is in you should cover your entire being because he's bigger than you. A.W. Tozer quoted, or made a quote. He said something and someone said it was a quote. Let's put it that way. The most important fact about any person is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. 
A right concept of God is basic to practical Christian living. There is scarcely an error in doctrine or a failure in applying Christian ethics that cannot be traced finally to imperfect and ignoble thoughts about God. Clear your mind of what you think God is like. Ask him what he's like. He'll tell you. He'll show you. He'll live it through you. It's really good for us to, to ponder on who God is to us. But the thing is, sometimes, like I said last week, we have this idea where uh, God is what I need him to be. And, yeah, we see some of these, these religious holy pictures of Jesus standing there. And, and God is so much more than that. And I love the fact that we, we can't see God. Because if I could see God, if I could understand God, that makes me equal with God. And I'm far from equal with God. I have my faults, my flaws, my, my challenges. I want to continue growing in God. I want to continue being like Him. And there was a study done at one stage where they took a whole lot of photos of, of people, men and women, and, uh, and they got students to see if they could piece together uh, who was married to who. And it got more successful the older the people got. Because the more time you spend with someone, the more you become like them. So if you want to be like Jesus, you need to spend more time with him. You spend more time in his word. You spend more time in prayer. You spend more time serving people. You become more like Jesus. And the fruit of the Spirit starts to grow in us. And the reason we have the fruit of the Spirit in us is so that we can disperse the seed so more fruit can grow. We're on mission. The mission never stops. And we can easily go, but, but I'm busy, or I've got this thing, or that's come up. It's just No, no, the mission doesn't stop. We need to stop putting the things of the world before the things of God. We need to stop putting what we want before the things of God. We serve a holy God. If you missed the sermon last week, you need to listen to it. That and the fear of God. You need to get those in here. We serve a holy God. And we often see him as this wonderful, sweet, loving God. But like I said last week, sometimes there's been a time when God's been angry. He's the God of wrath. He's the God of judgment as well. But his love for us is so great. And I love the fact that when we sin, we can come before him and say, Father, I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me. And he says, okay, done. But he wants us to be like him. You are Jesus with skin on to other people. And I want people to look at me and say, if, if, if I want to get a description of who God is, just look at him. I love people to look at me and say, you represent God well. Do I always? Absolutely not. But I have to keep trying, keep pressing in, keep seeking him, keep spending time with him, because the more I'm with him, the more I will become like him. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, we want to thank you for, for the fact that you love us as your own. And as the story of the prodigal son so aptly shows, 
that you want to see us come home. You love us like the Father, not just one who, who is everything, Lord. Your love for us is so, so strong, and we are just so blessed to be loved by you. Thank you for all you've done for us. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word brings life. Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, help us to be Jesus with flesh on to those around us. Lord, put your finger on areas of our lives that need work, areas where we fail, areas where we lack, so that we can work on those through the power of your Spirit. Help us to become more like you. Lord, as we leave this place today, open the door for us to connect with other people. Give us opportunities to speak to people about you. Give us opportunities to connect with people and tell them about the awesome God that we serve. Lord, we are so blessed to be your children. We are so blessed to be able to be partakers of what you've given us. And Lord, we ask that you help us see more and more and more. We want to thank you for your goodness. We praise you. We bless you. We honor you. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.